Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, Full House, this Thursday afternoon. I'm joined by your Thursday afternoon regular, John Paul Mason, alongside James McKenzie and Kevin Graham. Now, I'm going to start off with you, JP. You were in Italy. You went over uh, another away day for you. Do you do you keep count of your away days? Do you? I know that you, you document most things. That's true. That's true, I do. Uh, I think it was 15 which is not that much, to be honest. I mean, there's folk that you speak to that are on 60, 70, haven't missed an away game in Europe since, mm-hmm. I mean, Natalie from the Easter House, Emerald, she's not missed an away game in Europe since 2015. And I said That's to her, I was like, we had the last Lazio trip, she was like, I haven't missed one since 2015. And then even, even she said, I know you were saying before we came on about people getting a bit fed up with it, and rinse, repeat, and all the rest of it. She was just like, she's done the three away games this season. She was like, that's six days of my life I'll never get back. Uh, and uh, maybe thinking about watching Celtic on the telly a bit more in the future because it, it is a lot of money. And it, I mean, I, I do it mainly for the experience of mm-hmm. the travel, meeting up with a, my pal Michael, who was on the show. Um, and he was already there. He'd, he'd got there on the Sunday. His sister lives in, in Rome, has lived there for 25 years or, or so. So he was there and I met up with him on the Monday and uh, <laughs> immediately went out on the on the, on the the swell, though. But it was, it was great. It was, you know, Monday was a brilliant day. We, we had some nice food, caught up. We don't get to see each other that often. So, and then Monday night, uh, out for a few drinks. And then Tuesday uh, we went to go out to his sister's and then it was then about getting a cab from his sister's to the game, mm-hmm. which proved to be a difficult task because suddenly the taxis were no longer about and I ended up just pulling the trigger and going for like the uber expensive option. Uh, it wasn't even Uber, it was like IT taxis or something. And for, for what should have been like a 10, 15 euro journey, paid like 30 euros, so a guy came in like a proper, like blacked out windows, Merc, uh, <laughs> top of the range Merc. And uh, to be fair to him, he knew that we were trying to get to the game. So he went through this, uh, we went like up the hills and down like, through this back bit that totally avoided loads of traffic. Because I saw him mapping all his routes to get to mm-hmm. the stadium. And we get there and as we arrived at the ground, the policeman straight away just went Celtic. And we went, yeah, and he went, you need to go that way. So right. I had to walk for like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes down this long road 
and then back on ourselves into the periphery of the ground. So it was about, it took us about 15, 20 minutes to get from where we were. Uh, and that by that point, it was sort of five, five minutes before kickoff. And people were walking towards us going, you're wasting your time. Like as we were walking along this long stretch of mm. uh, walkway. And I was like, why did that guy say that? Why are we wasting our time? And then another guy was just like, I will not let you in. And I, and I went, oh, no, don't tell me that they've, they've shut it or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could, you know, how could they do that, you know? Um, and people will say, oh, well, you were told to be there really early. But circumstances out with my control to do my hotel and all that. My, my hotel's water didn't get switched on until three o'clock in the afternoon. Complaint has been sent, by the way, to the Hotel California in Rome. Um, and uh, we'll get the the musical the musical uh, drops in early there. <laughs> I, uh, so anyway, you should still you've got you you paid for a match ticket. I know you I should know. be able to go into a game. You know, ten minutes before kickoff, five minutes before kickoff, after kickoff, and we turned the corner, and there was just a huge crowd of folk all at the turnstiles, and it didn't move. And we're asking people what's going on. Nobody knew what was going on. There was rumours that fans had been moved from the home end into the away end. And even if that was the case, why should that suddenly stop people getting in that have got tickets through a turnstile? And people started leaving. People next to me just went, saw this, we're going to go and find a pub. People that had like match tickets, that had spent a fortune to get there, just gave up. And that's perfectly their right to do that but I was like no I'm sticking this out the next thing I've got the game on my phone in the queue outside the ground and folk are huddled around me uh, watching the game on my phone and then you dialed in for the pre-match JP I know, I know. <laughs> and, then, and then as we got closer to the turnstile you could you could see that it started moving as it got closer to half time suddenly there was movement and then we got in pretty much bang on half time so we missed the whole of the first half oh my word and travel, accommodation, time off work. Yeah. And I've, I've heard a lot of stories like this on the socials. Like you were saying, um, what's the girl's name, Natalie? What you were saying there, a lot of people got to the point, and we were getting it on some of the uh, the chat groups as well, JP. People were so frustrated, not only with the, that type of experience, but then what was served up once she got into the stadium as well, because, you know, it just shows you the commitment to get there. And... I'm always taking my, you know, tipping my cap to all these uh, Celtic fans that go on the Euro away days. Fifteen trips, tremendous. I know. Back in the day, Kev uh, was a troubadour himself, and uh, not that long ago, Kev. Kev, by the way, you look a bit. Uh, I don't know, like you're going into the uh, the tunnel, the Great White going Tunnel. In, there, you, going you're into like the light. silver shadow. You're going into the going light. Into the light. Aye. I don't know if you're. If I'm, you're I'm, a bit, I'm maybe in European purgatory. I didn't it again. looks like you might be, yes. Aye, it's... it's a good job everybody knows what you look like. Um, <laughs> Kevin was one of only two people in the room uh, last month, 31st of October it was actually, uh, who had been at the Sport and Lisbon game away from home when Cadetti scored two goals for Sport and Lisbon. Cadetti, of course, being the other one. But I know that you've uh, had your travels, Kev. I remember bumping into a guy um, in a hotel foyer who had been to over a hundred European away games, JP. It's fr- it's frightening the commitment commitment that so many people show. And as well as the bad experiences that you've just described there, the bad experience of what's been served up on the pitch, a lot of people are are getting to that point now, JP. We were we're feeling kind of mugged off as a fan base, I think. And I'm not speaking for the Celtic fan base. I wouldn't dream of doing that. I'm just going by experiences that I've been hearing both on the socials and in the WhatsApp groups. Um, Kevin Graham, I'm, I've no doubt you've had a few good, bad and indifferent experiences travelling around Europe watching Celtic. Um, beyond what happens on the park, how prevalent is that type of experience for you, Kev, going abroad and really not getting the um, the fan experience you would expect? Uh, well, we talk about Lisbon in 1992 and were batting charged by the Portuguese police then for no reason. Um, so that there's it's, it goes on all the time. I remember Barcelona in the new camp in 2008. We were just held back for no reason. It's it goes on all the time. It's part and parcel of European football. And the thing is, I, and it's a kind of saying within the guys I go to the football way. The game wastes a European trip. The game the game is the worst part of a European trip, and it has been like that for years and years now. And 
with my best European trip was obviously Amsterdam. That was superb. I mean, you've got a performance, a great city. Mm-hmm. Uh, easy to do in the bus. GP was there actually on the on same, same bus. On the same bus as me. Um, was, this, was this pre-Axon? Aye, it was 2001. Oh, Bobby. <laughs> the 2001 game, right? Uh, we've obviously, we've played so, that, mind you. I mean, we've played Ajax since then. Aye, aye. But, right, so you, you two were at the same game on the same bus. Did you know each other? Did you recognise no. each other? Nothing. No, no I, I, I told him, a, guy, a guy from Alloa, probably from your bus, sat down next to me when there was a spare seat next to me my two mates were sitting behind me and he just sat down put his bag on the floor and he's like all right neighbor who's it going and i was, <laughs> I was like all right man that was uncanny that was uncanny jp <laughs> and then and then he proceeded to take a bottle of bucket and he had two more and two of them were gone by carlisle um, and the guy was absolute i've never seen anybody still have it together but be so annihilated drunk and he would just like <laughs> Fall asleep, wake up, start singing whatever song was on the on the on the tape, and then fall asleep again. And then uh, I, just, uh, I was definitely in kind of awe of this uh, guy that was able to consume consume that level of tonic wine and and, and still not lose his bodily functions. Um, <laughs> so I know we, I was mad to be on the same bus as Ross and Gary Owen. I was with some folk that uh, that are related to Willie Gorman, uh, who's the the, the CEO of Verdross and Gary Owen um, and they were always good trips and that was a good trip like Kev said we went there we got a result I mean I know you can't be selfish and be like oh well we should be going and getting draws and wins and all that regularly but the, 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 the stats now as you say they're not good reading and they're not good reading when you level them off against the way that the club is ran and the money mm. that's brought in the, the, the way the recruitment has been uh, uh, spent, uh, the, not the recruitment has been spent, but the recruitment has been carried out. Uh, and yeah, I think there is a, a, a growing level of kind of like, what are we doing this for? Like, this is just the same thing every single season. We're, we're not making any real progress. It's so crucial now that they, that they cough up in, in January and then, the, and then the summer. Like, seriously invest in the squad you, you cannot you, there cannot be any hiding from that it's it's a case of like well all eyes are trained on 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 what's going to happen in January and the summer and, and if we don't come out of that January window stronger, significantly stronger, I know that you'll say oh it's hard to buy players in January and blah 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 but you, there should be stuff there should have been stuff happening in the summer with an eye on January, as in like deals should 100%. have been started. It's not a case of just, oh, we'll wait till January and see what happens and see who it's about. Those deals should be already in place. And I just, I find it staggering that that, um, that we were so well prepared. And, and yeah, you can't, there's only so far that you can point to the individual games and go, right, bad luck, Feyenoord, the two red cards, yeah. the last minute uh, go against Lazio at home. A, gall- a gallant draw against uh, Atletico Madrid at home, wh- which obviously is the the highlight of our of our Champions League campaign with one game left to spare, and then the the absolute pace in in Madrid as a result of a red an early red card, and then last night, what I saw on my phone in terms of the first half, and bear in mind I'm standing in a queue. I'm not fully concentrating on the match as you would do if you were at the game where you're yeah. just like, I'm locked in. But this the pace of the game in that first half just seemed so slow. I just kept saying to people, awesome. like, yeah. we, we don't look like there's any urgency. We don't look like we've got any intent on trying to go forward here. It, it just looked like a containment job. And to be fair, when we went in the second half and we're watching the second half and it's getting up to like the last 10 minutes, I'm thinking, are we going to go for it now? Is this... Is, but we're, we're going for it with an inferior attack. If, we, if we'd had better players to bring on, and if obviously the injury thing as well, if we'd had Maeda, Palma, Hatati, Abada, that's four pretty big players that are going to impact a game at that stage in the game. They brought in Chiro Immobile, one of the best Italian strikers in international, who, when I saw his name on the bench, in the, in the taxi on the way there, I did think... Why is he on the bench? He's one of their best players. Yeah. 
that's a worry that he's on the bench because if it is in a state of play where it's level, to have him to bring on to go at a tired defence who have been you know trying their best all game, and that's exactly what exactly he's, what happened. He's the weapon, absolutely, absolutely, JP. I mean, you know, after yesterday's show in particular, um, you get a lot of comments going on about our reaction to that us focusing perhaps on the board and you get a lot of people, there's a, there's definitely a hardcore who don't want you bringing this kind of thing up. And the the mistake what you're saying, James, I'll, I'll come to you on this one, the mistake what you're actually saying um, as, you know, spending money just for the sake of spending money, that is not what we're saying. What, what we're actually trying to say here is you've got to spend money uh, much more wisely. I mean, we're in a situation, JP and I think that, after every single game, and then the post-match, and then the following day, we've been balanced, we've been fair, we've been looking at all the, the Fs, buts, and maybes at each individual game, other than away in Spain, which was just a disaster. But this time round, there's really a different feeling in that we've been let down um, as a fan base, and what I don't want, James, is for Brennan Rodgers to be feeling the same way, because since he's come in, you've been at some of the pressers. You asked him the question about Euro- European progress. I think it was the first press conference he gave, you asked the question, and some of the answers he's been given have been pretty mixed, and they seem to be changing direction a wee bit in relation to the quality that he's been presented with. There's players on the bench who were brought in for reasonably big money in terms of what Celtic spend, who have barely had a look in. Uh, I'm thinking Lagerbjelk. Um, as JP said, there were players who would have started that game who were injured. Absolutely, take that one um, on board. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, it's not just one transfer window, James. I mean, I sent a list to the WhatsApp group, a list of £30 million worth of players who have been purchased in the last five seasons prior to this season who have been flops, a complete waste of money. And then you can add, and I'll list them, but you can also add on top of that all the loan signings who have cost us a lot of money. And then you you, they, you then start looking at that outlay, £40, £50 million pound wasted on transfer fees, loan fees, wages. And it's it's not about chucking the money out. I know we are spending money. It's about doing it better, James. We're not doing it well enough, are we? Yeah, it's nothing new. Celtic having an off transfer window or buying players who will never see the light of day. You think he likes your managed threads, your vacuum bios who... You just knew from the start they were never going to have a place <clears throat> in the Celtic team. You never knew they were. You knew that they were never going to make an appearance, and they never did. And we'd seen some similar things from the last chance window. We spoke to Brendan Rodgers at that first press conference, and I mentioned in particular Wood getting over the hurdle of getting that Champions League win that we didn't get last season, and to that Champions League win that we haven't had since I think it was twenty seventeen. And Ben said it would be a good place to start. And we don't have that so far. And we've got that final game left to try and get it. But the fact that we're celebrating draws at Hold Athletic Madrid like victories now, I think it says all about Celtic's European state of play. Fans aren't expecting too much. I don't think the people at the top of the club are expecting too much. Even the players in the park, I don't think they're expecting too much. One thing that you notice when you watch Celtic in Europe over the last few years is there's almost an inferiority complex mm-hmm. where the, the opponents are offered far too much respect. We almost feel grateful or surprised to be ahead against these sort of teams. And you've got to go into these games with the same confidence that you approach a match in the, the Cinch Premiership, where where a win seems like the only possible option there is and anything else is an absolute disaster. 
And I'm not sure if that's a mentality thing. We don't seem to be able to translate the winning mentality from um, domestic football over to Europe. And I think if you've got to buy stronger players to have that stronger mentality as well. Buying these players for around two, three million pounds, fair enough, you can pick out some players that have gone on to be flipped for some big money. There is examples of that, but those are outliers. There's far more of these signings that haven't worked out than players that have worked out. I think you have to spend more money, you have to speculate to accumulate, as the saying that's been flying around all over the place. And say that they have the money to do it, they can go out and spend. I was saying, and during the summer, I want us to spend around eight, nine million pounds on a player. I made the ambitious prediction that Celtic were going to break the transfer record in that summer window, which we now know we came nowhere near close to doing so. And I think Brendan Rodgers has been a bit let down in the summer. The only stone left unturned from his first tenure at Celtic would have been some European progress because he didn't get out of a Champions League group, didn't get beyond the Europa League last 16. And I think that would have been one of the main aims, one of the main motivations for him coming back to Celtic and... So far, he's not been given the resources to deliver on any promises he may have made. And you've got to hope that the backing will come next summer because I don't think it's going to happen in January. Well, as JP says, and I do subscribe to this, um, we can't be kind of floundering at this stage and, and start to think, well, we need players come January. This needs to have been in place already so that any deals that we might have missed out on in summer, we can complete them in, in January. And I think, although I take on board what you're saying, I think we've done some good business in January fairly recently. Um, obviously, we bought four, we brought four guys in the day before the transfer window opened uh, a couple of Januaries ago. What I was, uh, I was going to list here, and this is down to the fact that we have spent money, because I remember an interview that uh, Peter Lowell gave it might have been that infamous one uh, during the COVID season. Remember oh. the one that was staged? And uh, Jerry McCulloch was given a, a list of questions to ask Peter Lowell, and he asked them, and it was answered. Um, and I remember him going on about the money that had been spent. It's not about that. It's about making sure that the type of player we are getting in is capable of either fitting right into a team that's playing in the Champions League or can be developed to do so. And as you're saying, James, there's too many to say that the system is working as well as it should. So forget this season for a moment. If we then go back five seasons, here's how it blow 30 million quid, right? Bernabe, Haksabanovic, Awata, Shaw, Uruguide, Idiguchi, Kenny, Barkas, Ayeti, Connell, Bolingoli, Klamala, Soro, Bayo and Sved. 30 million quid on that lot. And then if you throw on top of that, the loan deals that would have cost us a lot, Arzani, Bauer, Duffy, Luxol, Kenny, the other one, Abiel Gard, Toyan, Burke, Masonda. Now, if you just take Duffy, for example, Duffy's loan um, fee was two million quid. His weekly wage that Celtic were contributing to, we contributed 25 grand a week to his wage at that time, which was 45 million. The Masonda deal was an 18-month contract. I know we cut it short. The 18-month deal was six million euros. Um, so that's probably... in. in in total, that's another 10 million quid on top of the 30 we've already wasted. Now, I know that it's not an exact science, and every time you bring this up, people say, oh, you can't win them all. Every player's not going to be the top, top-notch player. But I just think there's a there's a lazy attitude to signing players. I mean, any of that initial list I gave you guys with your Sveds and Bio and Sorrow, was there any on that list that you thought was definitely going to make it? I mean, there might be one or two, but most of them were absolute punts and the punt didn't work. And I think it's now a case of Brendan Rodgers bringing in quality. And by the way, uh, James, it might not be a £10 million player like you were suggesting earlier, but bringing in quality. Al Alistair Johnson is a quality player. He didn't cost that kind of money. Matt O'Reilly is a quality player. Nowhere near that. that He's like Palmer from the summer. That shows Palmer. that. Yes. With a bit of thought behind the signing, you can find top quality players for that sort of price. But you've got to really do a lot of digging to try and find something like that. I'm going to go to you, Kev, because um, I do hear the, the counter-arguments every time I bring this up. People uh, saying that, you know, it's not an exact science and, you know, you'll count the trophies, uh, to, to quote Dermot Desmond and all that kind of stuff. Why do we sign nine instead of three? Kevin Graham. <coughs> Lazy-itis. Because uh, I know that their scouting is utterly rubbish. 
because they know that, that, that they've got away with it and we've let them get away with it for years and years. And the reason that we've let them get away with it is this. As soon as Rangers went bust, we had to shut the top tier of the stadium. That put in the back of their minds, we need Rangers to be successful and we'll be happy if we're just a nail in front of Rangers every, every year. And that's what they do. They know for a fact that they're, they're, they're big enough not to fail in Scotland domestically and they've got no interest in European football whatsoever. I was actually thinking about it the, the, the other night there, eh? And I think the last time I took my free match package for a Champions League campaign was 2017. Right. <clears throat> I understand why St. Johnson Kilmarnock fans didn't come to Celtic Park anymore. What's the point of turning up when you're not going to compete? When you've already got the excuse that we can't compete? You just get bored. It's apathy. Absolute apathy. And when you see us actually wasting so much money on... I don't blame the players whatsoever. I blame the board for having this like plan, whatever the plan is, and I blame the managers for accepting it. And I still think we would be having this conversation if Ann Poster Coglu was still here as well. It's we get we get in there every we get in there every year, virtually almost every year, bank the cash and never move on. We're as stable as an old Adidas trainer. JP, Eurovision or Eurotrash? Two shows I'm sure you've watched over the years. Um, and also, making your mind up, can you tell me when Box Fizz won Eurovision with that? What year it was? 81. Oh, wow. Super. Was that his 81? Straight off the bat. Didn't even think about it. Right out there, 1981. On the subject of music, just before we went live, we heard the really dreadful news uh, of the passing of Shane McGowan. Jane McGowan has passed away. Um, you were saying there, JP, 65 years of age. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, he, he did quite a lot in that 65 years. But I, I was looking for an old programme not so long ago and there was an advert for the Pogues at the Carlin Academy, probably around about 2006. I think they did one or two nights at Christmas. And I, I'm just honestly kicking... I mean, people slag me for going to all the gigs that I go to and travelling to other countries to go to gigs and all the rest of it. But that is one that I really, really regret not going to. Can you imagine how good the Pogues in the academy must have been? It would have been incredible. Um, oh, I know. It really would have been. And it's just, uh, obviously, as ill health has deteriorated over the last, uh, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever, to the point that the Pogues couldn't play anymore. And uh, I, I once heard a, a quite sad story from this is true, and and screw anybody that tells me about like or mention folk. I was doing it when I started at King Tut's ten years ago, so it was November twenty thirteen. I was shadowing uh, one of the reps on a show because that's what you have to do to get experience, and it was Boy George that was playing at King Tut's, and uh, his brother was part of his uh, touring party. And on the wall in Tuts, the, the, in the production office, there's all like the show times, the gigs that have been, and a, a, a band were on the wall, and I forget who they were, but Boy George's brother was like, oh, I remember that band. And then suddenly we got talking about the Pogues, and, he, and we were talking about Shane McGowan, and he said that um, said that it was a, a gig that uh, either Culture Club or, or Boy George played on this bill, and he remembers seeing the tour bus, Shane McGowan's tour bus, and... A trolley was pushed along to the bus and Shane McGowan was brought off the bus, laid on the trolley, wheeled to the stage with the curtains shut on the stage, sat down at the piano with a full bar next to him and then he was pretty much half asleep and then as soon as the curtains opened, he just came to life and he was Shane McGowan for an hour and a half and then curtains shut, trolley back, back on the trolley, back to the tour bus. And that that was his kind of life while he was touring, you know. I was just yeah. constantly on it. But I mean, the, the documentary, if nobody's seen it, uh, Crocker Crocker Gold, I think it is, the Johnny Depp documentary about him, mm-hmm. really really good, and uh, quite a story as well of of him, you know, being an Irishman in London and the racism and everything else that he had had to face which probably was a big part in inspiring them to, to start the band and then the success that they 
went on to enjoy, not least with Fairy Tale, Fairy Tale in New York, you know, so um, among many others. But I, it's, it's sad. It's sad to, I'm just sad I never got to see them. I really, really am because I would have had, um, if I should fall from grace from God um, and um, Rum Sodomy and the Lash on CD since I was at, uh, in first year at uni. And they used to get played all the time in, in Michael's room uh, before before nights out and whatnot. So, yeah. Sad. It's sad times. <clears throat> it's sad times, JP. I mean, um, obviously, at this time of year as well, people instantly think about uh, Fairy Tale, New York. The one song that I always go back to, uh, Pogue's song, is Thousands Are Sailing. I just, oh. It's just oh. astonishing. Still hairs on the back of the neck moment every time I listen to the, the lyrics to that song. Um, yeah, and of course, he did a version of the Celtic song. I don't know if you remember it. It was on like an EP that they were selling in the Celtic stores for the 50th anniversary of the um, the release of the original Celtic song by Glenn Daly. And he'd done a, a really like a proper punk version of it. It's on the B-side of this single that they released, JP. I've got it in the house somewhere. And um, I was getting told the story. Last thing before we move on from Shane, because there's a lot of good uh, tributes coming through in the comments, is... Um, I went down to, to London to meet a guy called Jeff Healy, and Jeff was the producer of the phenomenal Jimmy Johnston documentary, which is called Lord of the Wing. And for anyone out there who's not seen it, track it down, right? It, it is up there. If it's not the best Celtic documentary, it's in the top two or three for sure. That's the one you'll remember, guys, that uh, Jim Kerr took Jim to a recording studio and they done Dirty Old Town and all that. <laughs> so it was all the same. It was, it was a different type uh, it was a different kind of type of documentary, right? And, and it was really getting in about uh, the person. And obviously, by that stage, he was suffering MND um, as well. So th- this, for me, is um, something that I know you'll appreciate, JP, right? I love uh, things that are lost in the archives and all this kind of stuff. But what they did is they got Shane McGowan um, involved in the, the project, and they wrote songs for the documentary. He wrote three songs for the documentary and um, they recorded them, doing them acoustically and they never made the cut. They ran out of time. Uh, they never made the final cut and they're sitting in an unseen archive. Three songs that, that Shane wrote, Celtic songs, by the way, mm-hmm. that he wrote for this documentary. Um, and I, it's always been on my mind that I need to get back in touch with Jeff to say, listen, how can we tap into it? Because... I just think unseen and unheard archives need to be out there. They need to be heard by the masses, people that would love it. Uh, nothing to do with making money. Just get them out there. So I'm just thinking as I'm sitting here that we should maybe get back in touch. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere wear with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, with them now, I'm going to ask you a question before I bring some of these comments in, guys, right? I want you to disagree with me. Um, this, if, if Celtic have a full complement of players right now, I'll ask you first, James. This is what I think is our strongest 11, okay? And I want you to tell me any of the positions, any of the players that you disagree with. Joe Hart, Alistair Johnson, Greg Taylor, Carter Vickers and Scales, McGregor, Hatate, O'Reilly, Maeda, Kyogo and Palmer. Now, I understand people might be saying, well, where's Abada or Scales shouldn't he be in there, right? I get it. That's my 11. Um, which of those, if any, James, would you agree, disagree with? Well, if I'm going through my team... <clears throat> I'd go Hart, Johnson, Carter Vickers, Scales, Taylor, same midfield as yourself. Mm. Up front go Maida, Kyogo, and I'd, I'd probably edge Liel Abada. It's either Abada or Palma in there. They both provide goals 
from that position. So I think you, you could put either of them in there and then yeah. I wouldn't be too fussed. I'd agree with that. What about yourself, yeah, Kev? There's a point. I think Abad is still younger than Luis Palma. So yeah. I'd probably have Abad in there. We used to always say, oh, you forget he's only 19. Remember we said that he was about 21 we were still saying it. Kev, um, is there any of those players you would disagree with? No. No? No, no really not. Uh, oh. I, I think the first 11 picks itself quite easily now and that's quite... A strongest 11 picks ourselves quite easily now and that's quite sad, really. Well... For where we are... Um, and where we should be and where, where we are, eh, eh, it's quite disappointing that I've haven't got any argument whatsoever. You look as though you're in the victim protection scheme at the moment, Kev. Just want to throw that one out there. Uh, JP, what about yourself? Do you do you disagree with any of those selections? I, the one with Abada and, and Palma, I knew people would disagree with that. No, that's, that's pretty much pretty much mine as well. I, just on Liam Scales, I, I saw quite a bit of. Uh, a lot of I told you so is about Liam about Liam Scales for based mm. on the fact that he was out muscled by an Italian international for a goal. Do you know what I mean? Unbelievable how people just want it. They've been waiting to just go, ah, oh, I said this three They're weeks ago. And I know. Bookmark book my tweet to tell you and blah blah blah. I, I, so disrespectful. So so just everything that Liam Scales has done this season is completely forgotten about because he got done for a goal against Lazio. Yeah. And in, in, in the in the eighty fourth minute or the eighty fifth minute or whatever, total nonsense, absolute nonsense. Uh, I, I can't believe somebody would just hang the guy out to dry for for that. It's almost like people have just been waiting for him to make a mistake so they can go right, get him, get get out, get him out, get get Navrotsky in, get Lager Bielka back because they're better. And you're like, what evidence is there to suggest that Navrotsky or Lager Bielka are better than Liam Scales. Liam Scales has provided enough evidence to me this season to suggest that he's better than both of them and therefore should keep the jersey regardless of what happened. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers will need to use the squad. I don't expect both of them, Scales and Carter Vickers, to play every single game in December. I would be astonished if they did. I'm sure yous would all be as well. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. quite a lot of games coming up. Uh, I, I don't know how many games is it in, like, something like... Uh, in, in the space of 30 days we've got an inordinate amount of games all squashed in um, would have liked to have had a League Cup final in there as well but that wasn't to be um, but yeah I, I, I just don't I, I think that the skills thing um, that kind of arced me a bit when I saw it, it actually made me want to delete Twitter uh, and, and then I saw an interview with Elon Musk telling Disney to go F themselves this morning and, uh, and I just thought I, I'm on that guy's plat. I don't like that guy at all. I, I, I don't. I don't really know much about the guy, but a 40 second clip of him sitting arrogantly in a Top Gun leather uh, pilot jacket uh, with a low cut t shirt on with a stupid chain, and he's like saying, "Oh, telling Disney to go and f themselves because because they were saying they're going to pull their advertising from from his platform." And I just thought. I don't really want to be associated with that guy, and and I am by being on his platform. It just it, it it's it's really really annoying that uh, a, a guy like that's in charge of of what used to be a pretty good place, but yeah. what what it is now, I, I just I don't know if someone's uh, switched my my settings to see negative stuff that really annoy me <laughs> rather than yeah. seeing positive stuff. I was getting a brilliant video of. of- there's a brilliant video of Elon Musk. He's showing off the new Tesla model, the new car model, and he's he's been banging on about the bulletproof glass on the car for a good 20 minutes. So he goes to demonstrate, he has a brick, and he takes it to the window of the car. First try, the window completely shatters on his apparent bulletproof car. I was hoping it was going to bounce off him and hit him off the space. The, the, the thing with that is, JP, I, I do Twitter. Oh, sorry, on you go, Kev. Twitter is just full of bombs, man. Social media is just full of bombs. Facebook's full of bombs. The it's world is full of bombs. And we just it, that. Different experience on Facebook. Completely different experience on Facebook. I'd say I'd say the same. And, and Instagram is my Instagram's private. So the only I've people not made that yet. The only, yet. only people that see my Instagram are people that I care about. <laughs> and yeah. the only people that I follow are people that I care about. And but but on Twitter you just get all this 
like I said, this this negativity just seems to come at you on a daily basis, and whether it's Celtic or otherwise, it's just it's quite overwhelming. Even the um, the, the the Middle East arguments as well, where you see people. I get people see tweets coming up where people are defending Israel, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like I, you could you could easily end up in some serious ding dongs with people who you want to tear tear shreds off, and um, who think that it's all right for a grandfather to be, you know, cradling his 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 dead niece, his, his dead granddaughter. I, I mean, that, unbelievable, unbelievable. It's <clears throat> toxic. Toxic place, and and it's getting it is getting worse because it's not managed properly. I was going to say this: um, if you've been harassed or bullied and and that and intimidated on that platform, they'll do nothing. They'll do nothing to protect you, um, and that that's one of the biggest issues as well. So people then start using it and utilizing it differently, almost like a, a news source, almost like a news feed, rather than a place where you can actually engage. And that's sad because it was the engagement that drew us in in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. I've met people on Twitter. That's I've met people. Yeah, exactly. This is it, and it can it can be a source of good, positive um, outcomes and experiences. Now, you may be wondering why I was asking what your, your best eleven was. There is a point. There is a point to that, right? So, largely, the four of us largely are in agreement. There might be one or two positions there that you disagree with. Let us know in the comment section. Actually, at this moment in time, what is your your um, strongest Celtic eleven? Um, the reason I was saying it is if we have to pro- if we have to progress in Europe. Now, Kevin Graham's always said. Everybody is up for uh, replacement if you want to improve, everybody's up. And I like that kind of mindset because you're always constantly trying to improve. But if you were to say, right, okay, from that list of players, which ones are you confident can uh, play and uh, make an impression positively on this Champions League platform? Now, again, I'm going to give you my view. That's all it is. It's just my opinion, and I want to hear yours. So the ones that I think are absolutely nailed down that I'm happy with going into a Champions League game, even if it's against, like last season, Real Madrid or this season, Atletico Madrid. And I'm not saying they're elite players. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is at Celtic's level, these are the guys that I'm happy with going into these big, big games, these big challenging games. Carter Vickers, McGregor, Hatate, O'Reilly, Kyogo. Now they're nailed down for me. I think there's um, an argument for Alistair Johnson I think there's an argument for Maeda, and there might further down the line be an argument for Palmer. But right now, the ones that I'm completely convinced of, totals five out of 11. James, from the list, where are you with that? He's on mute. He's on mute. Or he's just he's just thinking I'm to himself. I'm lip-syncing, I'm lip-syncing. <laughs> um, from the list that you've given me, I'd go... Um, these people have been a bit critical of him. I was critical of him again in the defeat against Athletic Madrid, especially. But I think Arthur Johnson has shown enough and on enough occasions for Celtic that he rises to the occasion. Sort of Arthur Johnson in that bracket. Cameron Carter Vickers as well. We know all about him. Mm, you could perhaps have Liam Skills in there. People might say it's a bit premature. I'd throw Liam Skills in there. Um, McGregor, O'Reilly, Hitati, um, Kyogo, and Palmer. There, there's the players that I would, I would list on it. We saw some good quality from a player like Abada in the Europa League, but we've yet to see that translate to the Champions League because of injuries and the rest of it. But those are the players I'd, I'd have listed. So, how many are you short then? And I start my listen. How many are you short? Uh, you're missing what a left back, a goalkeeper, and perhaps another attacker. Then, then that line up for me. <laughs> What about yourself, Kev? Because the whole point of this, obviously, is getting to the point where you're the best you can possibly be. You're never going to win the Champions League, but you're looking at that strongest 11. And as a Celtic fan, I want all 11 of those players to be up to the task. On a personal level, I think five of my team are. There's two or three who might be. Um, but that, that shows that half a team, you've got, you're half a team down if you want to make the, the best impression you can in the Champions League. How do you get the six players that you need, well, you're not going to get it in one transfer window. And by the time you get six players that you think can fit into that team, you've probably lost a couple of the ones we've already mentioned. And this is the cycle that we are currently in. And this is why every transfer window is pivotal, that you bring the right quality in. Kev, let me know, do you agree with me? Um, I say five of the 11 are good enough for this level. What do you reckon? Uh, Let me think, let me think. One thing about that 11, and I'm going to say this, going back to JP's Liam Scales point, 
I've never came away for a game this season. Even on Saturday, they said no players are no trying. They're no gain 100%. I, I, I'm, I fully back the players and all this. In my opinion of the players, is it's not their fault that they're there, but it's your, but it's your job to support them when they're there. And it doesn't matter the long-term, the long-term thing to me. Liam Scales has been fantastic for us this season. That's that end of story. He is going to make mistakes. Every player is going to make mistakes. Right. Uh, Alistair Johnson's been a bit of a disappointment, so that's probably a question mark for me, but this is his first year playing in Europe. So that's for me. Well, right, that's fine. I'm, 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 I'm going to give you that here. Callum McGregor is a no for me because he's been there over the last 12 years from we've been utter rubbish in Europe. So he's had his chance and we need to have a look at an upgrade in his position. Atati and O'Reilly, possibly, and that's it. That's it. Every every other position is up for grabs. So how many have you got? I thought I was being harsh three. to five. You've got three. three. Right. JP, you can see where I'm going with this, right? It's just to try and get to that stage, particularly when you look at the money that we've actually thrown down a black pit, you know, 40 million quid, there or thereabouts in a five-year period. Could have bought you the, the could have bought you the players that you're missing in this team. So, what do you reckon, JP, uh, from that eleven going into a European campaign? Who are you happy with? Who can who can live at that level? I, I think, uh, as much as I've been a defender of him, uh, I, I don't think Joe Hart should be our keeper going into the Champions League if we're fortunate enough to be there next season. I, I, I think, I think I was happy for him to be the keeper this season, even though a lot of other people weren't. I don't blame him for the, the 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 state of play that we are in right now in the in our Champions League group, but I don't think as of next season. Uh, and I, I would even even other defenders of Joe Hart, I think, would probably agree and be like, right, yeah, okay, it's time to to spend a bit of money and and, and freshen that up because uh, it's now becoming a thing where people just. I don't think it was Joe Hart's. In, fault entirely for the goal against Motherwell on Saturday but immediately he's taken the brunt of it whereas it was a collective uh, a collective effort to defend a corner mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it was completely his fault but there's a seed of doubt there with him and I don't think you can go into Champions League games with seeds of doubt um, so I would say that as well Greg Taylor as much as I, I, I've liked what he's uh, being the last two seasons, I don't think Greg Taylor should be the first choice left back going into Champions League next season. No. Um, and nor do, and as much as I defended him, nor do I think um, Liam Scales should be either. Uh, I think Liam Scales deserves to play this season, um, but we should be looking to to improve on him in that position in the summer, uh, whether it's. Navrotsky coming in and, and playing him playing himself into I mean we've spent a lot of money on Navrotsky to, to to be in that position. So whether it's him coming in and proving himself when he gets an opportunity, say Liam Scales gets injured and Navrotsky comes in, he could end up making that place his own and Liam Scales becomes backup. Um and in which case you've got a different defence going into the Champions League. You've got a bit more power, you've got a bit more height. Um with Navrotsky potentially, you would assume that's why we've bought him. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then into the midfield, Atati, I'm not completely convinced by uh, in terms of being a nailed on starter for Champions League. O'Reilly, absolutely. I think O'Reilly's possibly suffered by not having people in the same wavelength as him around about him mm-hmm. uh, in terms of be it wingers or whatever, because. Start another night. Yang the other night should be nowhere near a, a Celtic first eleven in the Champions League or, or Europa League. He's no way near near it. And unfortunately, again, it's, I mean, I don't know you're asking for first teamers, but I mean, James Forrest. I, I've I've tried to defend the guy as much as I can. He should not be starting for Celtic in the Champions League. I think he can still he can still do a job domestically. Um, but it just shows you how how dilapidated we were and having to play Yang and Forrest on the wings when and there's a, such a huge drop off in quality. Um, and well, eight, that, that's the problem, though. They all can do a job domestically, 
and mm. that's where our board ambition is because I know there's a large section of your fans just want to be in front of Rangers. And no. that's it. Yeah, and, I disagree and they'll, roll, and they'll roll up and they'll roll up no. and they'll buy their season tickets, they'll buy their merch and they'll go on. That's I, dis- I disagree with that. And I spoke to Paul about this the other day about this whole like this downsizing mentality. I just think it's been bad recruitment. These these players have been brought in not because they've been thought of as being like, oh well, we'll be good enough to get us through a domestic campaign. They've, they've genuinely probably been signed off thinking that they're going to be good enough and they're going to develop and become a European-level player. But I'm, going to agree with you. I'm, going to, I'm going to agree with you there because you did mention a couple of players. Our, our replacements, European-quality replacements, could already be in the building. And it's up to Brendan Rodgers to find that out. Mm-hmm. That is, that is, and I agree with you, but Yang, but all these guys they know can walk Scottish football. Most of them. Most of them. Most of them. I think you're, the, the players you're talking about probably have, is Novoski. Very, very unlucky with injury coming in, but you don't shell that kind of money out just to beat Livingston. No disrespect to Livingston. You're probably doing that with one eye on the European level. I think Palmer's in that boat as well. So, no, I, I know. Palmer couldn't do it. He used to road against Hibs. Huh? He was useless. Absolutely useless. I mean, so that was a Hibs. That's a must-win game. That's a game we've dropped points in. And Palmer had plenty of the ball. He had plenty of opportunity, and he didn't do anything. So that's that's Palmer. Hatati is up and down like a roller coaster in his in terms of his form. He can do an over-the-shoulder volley pass uh, out to the left wing, and then at the same time he can give the ball away and leave us on the back foot uh, chasing chasing the game. So. I'd want somebody in my midfield that I can absolutely um, rely upon to not be giving the ball away. And I met we met Scott in the ground at the full time, and he was absolutely raging at Kyogo for mm. um, his part in the it must have been the first goal. I mean, I haven't seen the game back, um, but he was raging at Kyogo for not holding it up. Really, really. I mean, he was definitely well loyal, but I mean, he was raging at Kyogo. Yeah, that was the source. That was the source of the move. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyogo. Oh. This is the thing. I think the flashpoints you look at, but it's all, it's always important to go right back to the root. What was the root cause of us losing possession? Mm-hmm. And and often that that's uh, you you were talking about Atati there, massive fan of Atati, and of course I've said I think he is good enough. Um, but I take your point. Was it last season, JP, where it was him losing possession that resulted in McGregor taking a red against Motherwell? Mm-hmm. I think yes. maybe with five minutes to go, we were two one mm-hmm. up. They took one for the team. I'm sure it was Hattati that lost possession. Yeah, McGregor, and that's in the same the park. McGregor yes. was incredibly frustrated with him as well. Mm-hmm. And I'd want to say, on <clears throat> a lot of people have been criticising Hattati for the performance in Rotterdam against Feyenoord. But you've got to remember, when you're taking into account the context behind that performance, he had no match sharpness at all. He'd just been brought back from an injury. When you look at yeah. Rio Hattati, who's been playing consistently, stepping into European football, you look towards last season when we lined him up in the Champions League and he was one of Celtic's best players. He was the driving point behind every single time Celtic went forward. And when you're a team like Celtic playing against some of the best teams in Europe, you need a player with a bit of creativity, a bit of flair, someone who'll take that risk-taking pass to carve open some of these world-class defences. And Rio Hattati is a player who can provide that. I think back to games like last season against Shakhtar Donetsk. It's a driving run from him that completely carved open their defence. It leads to the opening goal away from home against them. I think you'd have to see Real Hattati again in the Champions League next season, but I think it's unfair to criticise him. No, but on that point, I think a fit a fit and match at Real Hattati in the first half against Lazio the other night could have put us 1-0 ahead or could have been a contributing factor to us going 1-0 ahead in that game. And we go 1-0 ahead in that game, the dynamic of the game completely changes and we're not playing at a snail's pace and, and playing within ourselves. Um, but we didn't have anybody in, in the midfield to, do, to really do that in the first half. Now, bear in mind, I didn't see the whole of the first half because I was watching it on a phone outside the ground. But uh, what I did see of it, we just looked so sort of standoffish. And Pedestrian, yeah. Aye, it really, I, I, it, that was my overriding thought, that we were just so slow and one-paced and there was no real intent, whereas... I totally agree with you, Real Hadati, when he's on it, 
he'll be the one that does that turn, takes it on the turn, and then and then either looks to drive on himself or can see a pass and bring somebody in from the wings that's hugging the touchline and not doing anything. Get some on the back foot. I, I, I think O'Reilly's performance the other night suffered due to the fact that he was doing a lot of work for Yang, who was hiding. I didn't see enough courage uh, shown by Yang. Game was maybe too big for him. But going back to the Rotterdam thing as well, James, I, I found it strange the, the uh, position that Brennan Rodgers deployed Rio Atati in. Remember, he played him really high. He was like the, the last man. He was actually ahead of the striker and he was running down the, the uh, goalie and the final defender and all that. It was a strange uh, night. Even on that night, when people point to try and take some positives from this group stage campaign this season, they'll say, oh, that first half against Feyenoord was really encouraging. With all these chances that provided a bit of hope and a bit of encouragement, who created them? Who put these chances on a plate? Who was taking these shots? It was real Hattati. It was real. So I think some of the criticism has been a bit unfair. It's been. I think uh, the point I'm making here is we've given our kind of strongest start 11 with the caveats that obviously Abada, when fit, could be in there or, or perhaps um, Novroski will be in there once we see the best of them. But what we would need to do to get that up to 11 guys that you're you're happy with in the Champions League is you'd need to go through another two transfer windows where you buy three players of that level. Three players who would go right into the team and make a positive impact in the Champions League. And by the way, you then have to go through a campaign unlike the one we've just that we're currently in where you don't have a spate of injuries because the the reason we had Forrest and Yang playing on the wings was was through injury and suspension. The reason previously we've played O'Connell against Barcelona or Sidi Yanko, you know, we've played these guys because of the... So it's not even just the case of having the loving guys that are good enough at that level. You've also got to have the backups as well. So if you're going through a transfer window and you're not bringing any in, which it's questionable if we have done in the last three transfer windows, players that would come in and make that positive impact, then you're you're way behind. You're way behind the amount of quota of players you need to make an impact in this Champions League. The, the margins are, t- are are so slim and we're not getting a big enough hit rate. There's loads of good comments coming in. Um, some are actually supportive of the board and I, I totally expect that. Big shout out to Philippe who's supporting the channel. Thank you very much for that. Thomas Burns, famous name. Celtic in January, we tried. We just couldn't get the deal over the line. January is a hard month to sign quality players that we need. We just ran out of time. <clears throat> what you're doing there is you're giving us all these excuses that we've been fed in the past. I don't think we can afford to be fed those excuses because we're not just buying them in January, Kev, to see us through the end of the season. It's like going back to what JP says. What we want in in January are the guys that are going to be starting the Champions League next season. You mentioned the word, Paul. You mentioned the word, and it goes back to JP's point of it, it's courage, right? I've, I've, I've mumbled on here quite a few times that it's, it's got to be hard to be a Celtic player. You've got to have a different mentality to be a Celtic player or either that, this all-consuming beast will actually eat you, right? So, Palmer having a dodgy game at, Palmer having a dodgy game at Easter Road, you're just in the door. He's no used to this level of expectation. I would expect that. Alistair Johnson's drop-off. Injured towards the end of last season, coming into this season, I'll, I'll maybe expect that as well, that he's still struggling, struggling to come to terms with a Celtic player. You've got to bring in guys in January that have to adjust, and it could take them a year to adjust to the pressures of playing for Celtic, who be gone for the St. Johnson on a Saturday to the new Camp on a Wednesday night. That That is a massive... To Bucky Thistle the following Tuesday. Bucky Thistle the following week, aye. Uh, there's a courage there, but what's more important for me for January, and this goes back to you saying actually you need free players. Our wage bill is less than Rangers. Mm. Think about that. Our wage bill is less than Rangers and is still absolutely bloated. <coughs> but we, need, we need to reduce our first team squad to the same wage bill, but with the less players. Mm. Then, then that is that is that that, that is where the board have to go. And also yeah. One of my biggest criticisms of the board is they should plan for being out of Scottish football. That's where they've lacked ambition. They haven't looked at a way to get us out of this utter mess of a league that we're actually in. But that's what we need to look at. Right, we've got a £60 million wage bill. That should be 20 players. That should be 20 first-team players and everybody else should be made up of guys in the youth and the B team. That's Listen, it. I agree with that, JP. That's where we should be. 
The the figure that Brendan's been talking about is having a, a core group of 17 with a kind of mm-hmm. long list of 25. We've got well over 30 players. So if we were to look at that wage bill and say, right, maintain that, but let's go for the 20 players, then mm-hmm. you're going to get a higher calibre of player. And I know that even a list I read out, a Yeti, 5 million, Barca's 5 million, it doesn't guarantee success. Doesn't I totally guarantee, get no. it. But if you're shopping in a higher tier when it comes to transfer activity, there's a higher chance you're going to get a better player. Why was it then, JP, right, that when Ange Postacoglu came in and we absolutely had to win the league in his first season, he never said it until he had done it, but he knew that we had to win the league in his first season. I remember Kevin going on about being in touch and distance by January and it was one of these seasons, wasn't it? It wasn't as if we won it by 20-odd points. And it was like every signing, and we kept using the phrase, had to hit the ground running, JP. And the pressure was on, and it was like focus. We had to make sure the signings were right. One or two, one or two fell by the wayside. James McCarthy, for example, maybe uh, Eddie Gucci, but not many. And the signings we made made that instant impact. What's changed? Why don't we go back to that model? <laughs> uh, some people would say, is it the bullishness of Ange Postacoglu that just didn't take uh, no for an answer or made sure that if he'd asked, I mean, remember he was really annoyed when he said I had, one of his comments was like, I had to make it, I, I had to sort of emphasise the fact that, the, that that it was taking too long to get players in. And I, you wonder whether or not that was him identifying a, a, a long-running problem that's been at Celtic and that people do take their time or too much time on transfers and it isn't as kind of uh, proactive as it, as it should be. And, uh, the, the proof will be in the pudding in terms of what we do in, in January going back to the summer transfer window I've read some people saying were things already in place and albeit they weren't the, the best signings but were things already in place when Brendan Rodgers came in it's not like Brendan Rodgers came in with like this huge dossier of players that he wanted because he, he hadn't been sitting there thinking he was going to be a Celtic manager or had he? I don't know. Had he been earmarked because the new post was going? Did they make a call to Brendan Rodgers earlier than May? And doesn't say, feel like what? it. It doesn't feel like it. So therefore, he's come in, he has to assess the squad. By the time he's assessed the squad, we're almost probably at the end of the transfer window. There's not really that time to properly put in the, the, the make the signs that I think everybody would have wanted. But now, you've had the whole of this time, any downtime that he's had away from the team should have been looking at recruitment with the recruitment staff for January. And he's had months to, to do that. So he's had the opportunity to say, right, I've identified this player. You've given me three players. I want that one out of the three players. He's six million pounds. He's at, I don't know, Bayer Leverkusen or whatever. Go and get him. And then that should be what we do in January. And if not January, uh, certainly the summer. But I'd I'd find it. And also, as Kev said, reducing the squad. James McCarthy, go. Mikey Johnson. Non-contributors. Non-contributors must go. You know, these guys have not got a long-term future at Celtic. None of them do. And they they might as well go and get first-team football if they can somewhere else whether it's as a, as a loan or whether it's as a sign-in or whatever, because it's glaringly obvious to all of us that there's all these players there that are not going to be Celtic players. And, 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 and by that, I mean a Celtic player who you see on a team sheet week in, week out, like a Matt O'Reilly, like mm-hmm. a Aaron Carter-Vickers, like a Kyogo. These guys are just peripheral figures and... I, don't, I know it's obviously being a peripheral figure at Celtic is obviously still a great gig and you're earning a lot of money and you're, you're travelling and doing all the doing all the football and uh, sort of rigmarole or whatever. But ultimately, if I was a football player, I'd want to play week in, week out. And if I knew I wasn't going to get it at Celtic, I would want to go elsewhere. Yeah. And sure. the thing is as well, JP, if you've got 10 of them or 15 of them, you're talking 100 to 150 grand a week. Um, that you know you're paying out and you're getting nothing back for it, and that's the frustration, because as Kev says, you know instead of having the ten, what about having three, you know, mm-hmm. and still spending the same money on the wages, the same outlay, but getting people who are actually contributing to the team. The we are frustrated. Is, on you go, Kev. Just to go back to JP, there. Sorry, mate. 
see, like when Rogers came in, he blew smoke up Matt, uh, Matt Lawl's bum, basically saying one of the reasons I'm coming back is the recruitment process is far, far better than what it was when yeah. I left. Mm-hmm. It's time to prove it then, big man. Eh? Mm-hmm. It, is. it is time to prove it. January is the time. Uh, to start the ball rolling on adding quality to this Celtic squad, I'm sure you'll agree. Thanks, everybody. 800 strong. There's a lot of frustration in the comments. Let us know what you think Celtic's strongest start 11 is. And from that strongest start 11, how many are you confident can do a job in the Champions League? Let us know in the comments section if you're listening uh, not live. 800 plus, we're listening live. Thank you all for doing so. It's always an absolute pleasure. Regardless of what we're talking about, it's Celtic. And we love talking about them every single day. We'll be back tomorrow at 12.30. All that's left for me to say, James McKenzie, John Paul Mason, Kevin Graham, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.